Yeah, I switched on you. The battery's going to die. All right. Well, welcome. Welcome. It's good to see you. Thank you for taking time out of your weekend to come hang out with us, do a little church service. So if you're a first-time guest, you may have noticed as you walked in the front door, we have a table there. There's some bags. Uh, that is a gift from us to you to say thank you for being here. Uh, go ahead and grab one. And uh, if you would, go to LifeChurchUtah.com. Let us know you are here. That way we can keep in touch, let you know what's going on. Um, we're very excited that you're here with us today. And then if you have any tithe or offering that you'd like to give, you can give back at the kiosk um, or you can give at LifeChurchUtah.com. Uh, again, thank you uh, very much for your continued giving and faithfulness in this crazy year. Um, and then I just wanted to uh, give another little shout out to our little library slash uh, book exchange in the back. Um, it has filled up quite a bit from when we started. We've had a lot of people donate some books. Um, so go back there, check it out. Uh, take your kids back there. We have um, some comic book versions of the Bible. Um, I know that they will love them. Go ahead and grab one. Let them take it home, read it, and enjoy it. Bring it back and grab another one. Um, as I've said in the past, the idea behind the library and the book exchange is uh, come a little early, stay a little late, go back there, fellowship, uh, look at a book, uh, and kind of just see if there's anything back there that you would like to read, because I know that there is a book back there that can bless your life, encourage you, and help you on your faith journey. Well, as you can see, we are in full swing of Christmas Christmas is alive at Life Church. We have these paper trees, and we have snowflakes, and uh, the other tree back there in the back, and it's, it is uh, really exciting because it is a season that is my favorite, and we are starting a new series, and it's called God With Us. Really? God With Us? Really? So in the coming weeks, we're going to explore this idea of God being with us and how Jesus plays a role in this promise. As you know, tis the season of giving and snow and eggnog and cold and Christmas trees and stockings and lights and hot coffee or hot chocolate if you prefer. A time where Hallmark movies take over your evenings and your Saturdays because you can't beat a good, cheesy Christmas Hallmark movie. I love them. Um, full disclosure, I, 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 I think I've almost seen all of them. Um, we'll turn it on. And they've got two channels, so you've got twice as many movies. It's crazy. <laughs> Lifetime's trying to keep up, but they don't have a chance. But I love Lifetime, mov or Lifetime Hallmark movies, the Christmas movies. They're good. They're cheesy. You know, as I've mentioned in the past, I love Christmas. I love it. everything about it. And I was on a Zoom call with uh, Pastor Rich, our lead pastor in West Valley, and a couple of the leaders uh, over there. And they were, we were talking about the work week. And I was like, yeah, work's been pretty mellow. I was able to get off on a, at a good time and finish putting up the Christmas lights on the house. And they started chiming in, oh, yeah, your wife is getting you to put up the Christmas lights, huh? Yeah, I don't really do that. But um, if that's, you know, if... If she really wants it, I'll, I guess I'll do it. And then one was like, well, you know those projection lights? I will put up a thousand of those as long as it just shines on the house. I ain't putting nothing on the house. And there's a, a picture of 
our home there. And I was like, you know what? No, it is for me and my family gets to benefit. Ever since Allison and I got married, I love putting up the Christmas lights outside, putting up the tree. Uh, another, we're just going to go full disclosure. Um, I, I look like a big, burly, tough guy, but I'm, I'm a big softy. I love the little villages that light up. <laughs> love them. So I got my little village set up in the house with the little ice skating pond and the trees. It's, it's for real, you know. But I'm not like any, I'm not Griswold. I'm not going to shut down the neighborhood power. and My neighbors aren't going to get a Christmas tree flying through their window. But my house will be a little brighter during uh, December because I love it. You know, Christmas is a time of remembering our friends, our families. And, you know, Christmas can be a, an especially hard time for people that have lost a loved one during that year or even in years past as you remember them. And, uh, you know, it's a time for us to reflect on all that has happened in the past year. And what a year 2020 has been. A year that will go down in infamy. You know, I feel that the legend of 2020 will be greater than what actually happened. You know how nowadays um, with, I talk to, to my grandparents or parents, and we walk to school in the snow uphill both ways, and we didn't even have coats or shoes, but we survived. It toughened us up. It made us strong. We just grinned and bared it. I could just hear Ava now, 50 years from now with her grandkids. I remember 2020. It was the year the entire world was on fire. The entire world was in flames. And to make matters worse, there was this virus that came out of the east. Nobody knew it was going to happen. It was going to wipe out half of the world. And you know what? There was talk of these killer hornets that came in, and they got that name because they wiped out animals and bees and people. They were just terrible, and there, there was no break. I had to go to school. You remember snow days? No, you don't, because they ended when I was a child. <laughs> they created Zoom classes, and I had to go to school at home. There were no more snow days. It was a time where people ate Tide Pods. And we look back and we thought maybe we should have just let them eat the Tide Pods instead of getting mad. A year that will go down in infamy. You know, but 2020 has brought a lot of uncertainty with it. It's brought pain. It's brought physical, emotional, and relational pain dealing with the sickness and the separation from one another. It's brought heartache for people who have lost loved ones due to the virus. It has brought loneliness because of our isolation from the ones that we care about. It's given us a chance to reflect, though. We've, had, we've been able to look back and see what's more important in life. What are the things that matter? Where's the silver lining in all of this? With it, it's brought a lot of fear. We didn't know what the virus meant. We didn't know what it meant uh, once it was here, and we kind of don't know what life looks like afterwards. All the talk of the new normal. What's the new normal? No one can define the new normal. It's brought anxiety as we've been separated from the people that we love and the fear of COVID and anxiety has grown exponentially among the people. Bad habits. Because so many have been isolated, we picked up bad habits. Studies say that alcohol abuse and drug abuse are on the rise. It's brought us with questions. What's life going to look like on the other side of COVID-19? 
what's going to happen when Joe Biden is named president or if Trump is named president? What happens then? What will society look like? It's brought doubts. God, where are you? Do you even know what's happening? Do you even care? We've gone through this pandemic for 38 weeks now, and there is no part of life that this thing has not touched. It's affected personal and professional lives, our recreation and our leisure time. The way we shop is even different. If you don't have a thousand Amazon boxes on your front doorstep, you're going to Walmart and using the pickup service instead of actually shopping the aisles yourself. People hoard toilet paper and paper towels. Um, I was looking for a safe, and on it, it it said, gun and toilet paper safe, to keep your toilet paper safe. You can't find cleaning supplies. You know, it's almost as bad as the ammunition shortage. You know, people are just, it's affected everything. We talk to everybody through a mask or through plexiglass. It's touched every area of our lives, and the church is not exempt. It's forced churches to close for weeks, and there are still some churches that do not meet in person. We now have social distancing and sanitation and mask guidelines. There were 1,007 pastors surveyed in America as to how it has affected their churches. Of those 1,007, 96% have lower attendance. Of these 1,007 churches, 8% had to cut at least one ministry. 6% were forced to lower the pay or eliminate uh, a ministry position. You know, we can look at it, and the attendance issue could be for a handful of reasons. Fear. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't want to get it. And so fear keeps us away. Some of us, it's wisdom. We have pre-existing conditions, so we know it's better to maybe stay at home and protect ourselves till some answers are found. For some, it's because faith has become... Uh, unimportant to them. You know, they, they say that volunteers are hard to come by, come by. Previously committed families have made the choice to watch online and allow that to determine in-person gathering isn't a priority. This is happening all across America. These aren't things that just affect life church, but everywhere in this great nation. And I have to commend this community here because I don't believe it has affected us the way it has affected the rest of the nation. You people are committed. You people are here. You are faithful and giving of not just finances, but your time and your talents. I mean, you guys have been amazing through this whole thing. But all of these things coupled with an election uh, and everything surrounding that debacle, a cycle that seems like it's never going to end. You know, you hear some talk uh, on talk radio or news networks of, revolution or or civil war you know this is a year to remember a year that has brought so much craziness with it a year that can cause you to wonder where are you god do you see what's going on do you care you know there was a time in israel's history where it was very much the same they were feeling the same thing they were given a promise A promise that they were hoping would come soon, but it didn't seem like it could come soon enough. You know, in a long line of invasions where Israel was conquered time and time again, starting with the Assyrians and then the Babylonians and then the Persians and the Greeks with um, Alexander the Great. 
It ended with the Roman Empire occupying Israel. And under the rule of Rome, the Romans had established a government with overseers that would watch over the Israelites. They were still allowed to uh, worship kind of the way that they had. They still had their temple. They still had their rituals. They still had their festivals and their feasts. But it was under watch. And one family rose to prominence, and that was King Herod's family. Now, Herod was a brutal man. He was a hard man. He was known for his colossal building projects. In fact, he built his own temple. There was the second temple in Jerusalem called Herod's Temple. And, you know, although he was Jewish by religion and tradition, Herod and his family were Edomites, and they were hated by, their, by the Jews for their tyrannical rule. Now, the climate among the Jew, Jewish people was that of anti-government. They wanted their freedom. They wanted their independence. This was driven by the fact that King Herod executed 45 of the 71 Sanhedrin when he was named king because they opposed him. The Jewish people also resented them because the high priest was now chosen by the government or by casting lots or government officials instead of the way it had been done where God chose uh, the high priest. It was something that was given to Aaron and was supposed to be passed down through generation through generation. But now it was being chosen by a foreign government. They were aliens living in a land that wasn't there. They were, and the people were aware of this and they didn't like it. It went so far as that the uh, priest vestments or their priestly robes that they used for the festivals were kept in, Anton in an Antonia fortress a fortress to cre created to protect King Herod's temple. So for before each uh, festival, the high priest would have to go and get their robes that were theirs from this fortress. Because of all of these circumstances, it left the people wondering, where are you, God? Do you see what's happening? Do you even care? What happened to that promise of Emmanuel. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, God promised through the prophet, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel mean, meaning God with us. You see, in all of God's attempts to get the attention of the Israelite people to turn back away from their wicked ways, through all of their exile, through all of the times that they have been conquered and occupied, God never lost sight of the promise that he gave to Abraham that through him all nations would be blessed and that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky and that a king would rise from his line that would be king forever. This king is Emmanuel. But little did the people know in this time, in this day, that God was up to something. He was working out the details to fulfill this prophecy he gave so many years before. We pick up that story in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. And as I was putting this together, I had this thought. When we partner with God, he uses us in the impossible. When we partner with God, he uses us in the impossible. Let's read what the text says. Verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. 
She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be frightened, Mary, the angel told her. For God has decided to bless you. You will become pregnant and have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. He will be a very he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can I have a baby? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby born to you will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's already in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant, and I am willing to accept whatever he wants. May everything you have said come true. And then the angel left. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you that from it we get to pull principles and truths. So this morning, Lord, I pray that our faith is built as we look at the lives of Mary and Elizabeth. And look at this idea that nothing is impossible with you. So I pray this morning that you would open our ears to hear what you are saying, our minds to understand. Lord, and I pray that you would transform us through your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what do we see in these texts? Well, we see two ladies here. Two ladies and an angel. And God is wanting to use these ladies in a mighty, mighty way. One is a teenager. She's married to be, she's promised to be married to Joseph. Now, back in ancient Israel, boys went to school from the age of 5 to 13. Girls did not have any formal education. Now, the boys were educated mainly in religion and the ability to read so that they could read the Jewish scriptures. And at age 13 is when they were moved into adulthood, where they would then start learning the trade or the, pro or the profession of their father. Now, Joseph, we all have heard he was a carpenter, but he was more than just a carpenter. In Greek, the word is tecton that was used to describe him. And what it was is he was a master builder. He was more than just a simple carpenter. He was someone who worked with, on, with various uh, uh, products and, and different materials uh, needed for construction, including timber, iron, but mainly stone. Uh, Israel is so full with stone that most buildings were made out of stone. So Joseph is a master builder, and this is what Jesus would have been learning once he was of age. Now, Nazareth is just a little place, a place where the population is 300 to 400 people. One, one uh, commentary I read said that it was even smaller, of 150 to 200 people. So this is a small town, and if you're from a small town, you know that everybody knows everybody, and everybody knows everybody's business. And uh, so what was going to happen to Mary was going to be mainstream news. And then the other is her aunt, Elizabeth. 
who is advanced in age. She is old, and she is the wife of a priest. And through uh, her husband, Zechariah, God promises that she's going to have a son, a son that is going to prepare the way of the Lord, that's going to be a voice in the wilderness. And Zechariah doubted, and so God muted him, and he was not able to speak until his son, John, was born. Now, both were given the promise of a child, children that God was going to use to fulfill prophecy and to establish an everlasting kingdom. You could say that Mary and Elizabeth represented the people of Israel and what God was wanting to do, that God was wanting to partner with them to move toward fulfilling this promise of Emmanuel, God with us. For both of these ladies, it was a step of faith. It was, uh, they had to step out. They had to trust. What was coming wasn't certain. They didn't know what the future would hold. If Mary knew the outcome, if she knew what Jesus was going to have to go through, what he was going to suffer, would she have been on board? If Elizabeth would have known that her son was going to be beheaded after being imprisoned, would she have been as excited? But you see, the language used in this text was familiar to Mary. It was familiar. It was something that she knew she could trust. The angel said, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Overshadow? What does that mean? The imagery was something that was familiar with Mary, something that she would have heard, something that she would have been taught. When she heard the stories of Moses in the tabernacle, the idea of overshadowing in Exodus chapter 40 is this idea of God's presence. It says, and he set up, speaking of Moses, the courtyard around the tabernacle and the altar and put the curtain at the gate of the courtyard. So Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered or overshadowed the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Or hearing the psalm, which talked about God's protection, him overshadowing and protecting. As for you, the one who lives in the shelter of the sovereign, one, uh, and resides in the protective shadow of the mighty king. The idea that God was with her, that he was with her just as he was with Moses leading the people out of Egypt, just the way that he was with Joshua when he was going into battle. And he told Joshua, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Do not fear, I am with you. She knew this language, so she knew that she could trust God in what he was asking of her. She still had to have faith. But because of this promise that God was going to overshadow her, she didn't need to be coerced. She didn't need any convincing. Here was God acting in a way that only God could act, and that was supernaturally. So now I pose this question. In these days that seem uncertain, will you partner with God in what he has called you to? Will you partner with him, even though you might not know the outcome? Will you trust what God has promised in his word? You know, a couple weeks ago, as we finished a series that we had been in talking about why Life Church exists, I talked about healthy relationships and how we need to build healthy relationships. 
doing life together and, and learning from one another, experiencing life together. You know, Mary knew these stories because they were passed down to her. They were taught to her. And, and we do the same thing when we do life together. I, I, my faith might be struggling, but when I hear your story of how God has walked you through what you have been through, my faith is built up. I know that I can trust God because he has overshadowed you. He will surely overshadow me. Because we know that God is faithful in his word. He declares, but also because of the stories of those around us and how God has walked through life with us. You see, when he overshadows us, the impossible is possible. When we partner with God, he uses us in the impossible. When we partner with God, he uses us in the impossible. Mary also trusted what the angel had to say because Gabriel ended with this statement in verse 38. I'm, excuse me, verse 37. For nothing is impossible with God. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. I am willing to accept whatever he wants. May everything you have said come true. And then the angel left. This declaration made by Gabriel is universal. It is something that you and I can take to the bank. It is a declaration that was not just meant for Mary, for Elizabeth, for the people of Israel, but for the people of God, for those that trust in him. No matter how impossible the situation, no, no matter whether or not we can see what it looks like on the other side, we can trust and know that there is nothing that is impossible for God. So what is your impossible situation? Is it work? Are you out of work? Do you hate your job? Do you have problems with your coworkers? Is, is the work situation something that seems like I just can't get on the other side of it? Or is it a marriage or a relationship that is unhealthy, and you feel like you've come at your wit's end and you don't know what to do, is that relationship your impossible situation? Perhaps it's your finances. Maybe you've made bad decisions and you have dug a hole that you can't get yourself out of and you don't know how in the world am I going to do this. Maybe it's a personal struggle or a habit. Maybe there is something that you've been trying to kick forever and ever and ever. And it seems like just when you start to get on the other side of it, there it is to hit you again, to be tempted by it again. Maybe that's your impossible situation. Where has God been challenging you to step out and do something that seemed impossible? What area is he wanting to partner with you? And when you know where God is challenging you, where God is pushing you, where he's leading you, will your response be like Mary? I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be what you have said. Let it happen just the way you have said to me. Imagine what could be accomplished for the kingdom of God. How our lives and the lives of those around us would be enriched if we would partner with God and what he is trying to do through us. If we would trust that he will overshadow us, that he will lead us, not forsake us, that he wouldn't leave us, but he would anoint and empower us, guide us 
and bless us and use us to our full potential. Because there are things in this life where we think we got the handle. We think we're being used to our full potential. But you see, there's a God that has designed us for a work, for a specific work. And he will speak to you. He will tell you what that is. He will lead you in that direction. And when he does, when he comes and knocks on the door and says, hey, Forrest, why don't you head out to Tooele? Why don't you go get involved out there? Will you go? When it seems like it doesn't make any sense, will you do it? Because you see, when we do these things, not only are our lives better, but the lives of those that we come in contact every day are made better. And when we allow God to get involved in our lives and hand over the reins and say, you know what? You're in control. You are Emmanuel. You are God with me. And I'm going to trust that no matter how impossible the situation seems, no matter how hard it is for me to to let go, I will let go and let you be God in my life. God will use us, transform us, and through that, allow us to lead people to him, to lead the people to Jesus. Because when we partner with God, he uses us in the impossible. When we partner with God, He uses us in the impossible. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are not limited to anything, not to the laws of of physics, not to the laws uh, of, of what holds this whole thing together because you created it. Therefore, it is not impossible for you to do your work Help us to grab hold of this idea of this truth that you're not going to just do it on your own, but you want to use us. You want to do it through us. You want to partner with us. The way that you partnered with Mary in bringing forward Jesus so that we could have Emmanuel, God, with us. A situation that seemed impossible, a situation that was unheard of, a virgin having a a child. Father, help us to grab hold of this, this truth that nothing is impossible with you. And when we partner with you, you will overshadow us. You will walk with us. You will guide us. You will use us. You will bless us. And that your kingdom, your name will go forward and you, your name will be made great among all people. And you will be glorified. I thank you, Father, for your word. I thank you for what it teaches us. Help us to take this principle and, and commit it into our hearts and into our spirits. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I have a quick reflection and a challenge for you. The reflection is this. Where is God pushing you? Where is God guiding you? Where is he leading you? Where is he wanting to partner with you? Take time this week and spend time with God and find out where he wants you to go. Everybody's ministry looks different. Everybody's uh, path, their journey is different. Ask him to overshadow you and use you and lead you. All right? All right. I love you guys. I thank you for being here, and I look forward